Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Is the ancient practice of yoga tied to the end times, to the Great Tribulation? Well, let's find out. Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Today's guest says yes. Dave Williams is the founder of the Center for Pace Setting Leadership, where those in the marketplace and ministry can train. To well, be great to have back with God's us again kingdom. here, Dave Williams. And uh, Dave, we've chatted about this a little bit in the past, but we're going to dive off into this a little bit deeper now. You've got this book out, The Yoga Craze in the Last Days. We hear about yoga. Uh, you know, uh, it, there's always been some conversation about yoga. And then we even hear about sometimes, well, we're having yoga in the churches, but it's not actually that type of yoga. So there's a lot of questions about this. And you put this book together trying to, and it says, are you trading your true destiny for a spiritual counterfeit? So what is, you consider this a spiritual counterfeit, the yoga, even if it is in the church? I do. And it's not just because I do, it's because most discerners and apologists believe that yoga is totally satanic. What's the background of it? What, what does it come out of a religious background? Well, it, it, it began with shamanism. It began as a practice of sorcery, and there was even an article in the New York Times that said it began as a sex cult. Wow. And the whole idea behind yoga is not fitness, it's not exercise, it's not breathing, it's all about becoming like the god you're worshiping. For example, in Hinduism, where yoga is really big, in fact, it's one of their six major doctrines, yoga is now, they, they worship 330 million different gods. There are some main gods, you know, like Shiva and Vishnu and Brahma, but, but they have 330 million gods that they worship. They're, that's called polytheism, but other branches of Hinduism are pantheism. They see God in everything. And so yoga is to get the attributes of these gods into you, and performing these poses before these gods, it helps you to become more like that God's, you know, attributes. I noticed, too, in the book, and I had never thought about it, but when, you know, it's a type of deception, and you say in there that this is a number one sign, you know, one of the, like, signs that Jesus warned about that would signal the beginning of the final hours before his return. So you believe this is a type of an end-time event that is deceiving people and leading them away from the Lord? Well, number one, it is deceiving people, and Jesus said that would be the number one sign of his soon coming. He, he said, the very first thing he said is, see that no man deceive you. Deception would be running well. There'd be political deception, social deception, educational deception, religious deception, and this yoga, especially since it has infiltrated the church, and they have you know, hundreds, endless numbers of names for it. Um, holy yoga, Christian yoga, Yahweh yoga, praise yoga, you, you know, you name it, they've got names for it. And they say that yoga is only idolatry and sorcery 
if that's what you intend for it to be. But if you intend for it to be worship of God, then that changes the yoga to a holy practice. But God said to the children of Israel when they were going to take over Canaan, and by the way, Canaan, the religion of the Canaanites, was exactly what the religion of the Hindus is today. It was polytheistic and sometimes pantheistic. Polytheistic, many gods, pantheistic, God is in everything. And God said, the top thing he said, when you go in to take this promised land, do not duplicate the practices of the people that are living there. And since yoga has been a practice that does pre date Hinduism. It goes way back to possibly 5000 BC, uh, where they've found pictographs in some of the caves that look a lot like yoga. And it was formulated by these shamans, these sorcerers, these occultists, we'd call them today. And so if the roots are bad, the fruits are going to ultimately be bad. I was reading one thing, I put it in my book, we have 340-some different citations people can look up, that yoga, the third biggest injury now in yoga is stroke. These teachers don't take blood pressure, or uh, they don't find out what people's health is, and so they're, they're having a, a, lots of pains and the, but the, but to me, the thing that was the most dramatic was the third biggest problem is strokes, people having strokes that do yoga. They go into these positions. They just don't have the, the ability to go into those positions yet, but they try, and yeah. some of them are actually having strokes. Now, I noticed uh, something, too, here in your book that I, I usually don't see in most books until the end of the book, but you've got it right in the first chapter. Uh, answers to your questions about yoga and in there you've got 94 questions that I guess people are most commonly asking about yoga and uh, you go ahead and take care of that right before you really get into the book I guess that would help somebody as well as they read the book then if they had a question ahead of time they'd already have kind of an answer for that or be looking for it so why did you do that though is that why well I did that because there probably isn't one in a hundred people that could even answer two of those questions. They couldn't answer one or two of those questions. Very few people could answer any one or two of those 94 questions because most people don't understand what yoga really is. Uh, for example, is Christian yoga model based on theft? They'd say, well, of course not, not if it's Christian yoga. Uh, what are some of the yoga slogans, half-truths and biblical misrepresentations? And people couldn't give you one. Is yoga a perversity? Uh, does yoga actually deliver a Luciferian initiation? Uh, Tex Mars believes it does. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot to yoga that people don't understand, and they think if you're trying to help somebody, they think you're being a super critical person when you're really not. I, I This was eye-opening to me when I did the research on yoga. Now, so, yeah, 94 questions I ask the readers, and, and we do try to cover all those questions throughout the book. The, the foreword was written by a top yoga instructor that began to have occult encounters, and it scared her so bad she ran. She ran away from yoga 
But what she didn't know is that her parents had become Christians, and they were praying for her. They were interceding for their daughter, Kirsten. And she she was in India at the time, and she was just a top yoga instructor. She trained the best of the best. And she started having these occultic experiences. Now, some that are deep in, like kundalini yogi, they, yoga, uh, they would call that a kundalini awakening or something, but it was, she recognized it as a cult, and her parents were praying for it. She ran, got her ticket back to the United States, ran to a church, accepted Jesus, and she wrote the foreword to my book, and I tell people that foreword is worth the price of the book alone, because she has experience in it. She she got into it in, innocently, but she got into it mistakenly. And she said if she would have had a book like this before she got into yoga, it would have saved her from the demonic arrows that penetrated her life. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I really believe people are trading their true destiny that God has for them for a spiritual counterfeit. And you know, and what you're talking about right now kind of can be found on page 110 of the book, where you talk about, you know, can a Christian participate in Hindu religious exercises with the right intention and make it holy? And then you talk about when God's judgment arrived on his people, it never came because of intention. Judgment fell because of their practices, particularly when they began mixing the practices of pagan religions with the worship of the one true God. Then you said the prophets warned about these detestable practices of pagan religions, but people seem to believe that if their intention was pure, it was acceptable. That is so true in a lot of areas, isn't it? Oh, it is. That That's really a great point, Mark. Great point. Yeah. Because people think, well, I can drink just a little, and I don't, you know, and I can socialize that way, but then they don't understand how far they can get themselves well, in. You're right. Uh, the The judgment didn't come because of the intention. It came because of the practice. Yeah. Every time. I can intention my car to be a, a washing machine and throw my dirty clothes in it, and they still come out dirty. That's true. Because you, you, you can't change something for... Uh, it's like uh, they they say, well, if I name it Christian, then it's okay. But is there such a thing as Christian baseball or Christian football? No, football is football. Baseball is baseball. Basketball is basketball. Golf is golf. And yoga is yoga, whether you throw the name Christian on it or not. That's so true. And, you know, and again, it's a deception. That's what you talk about in Chapter 13 of the book about the deception of yoga. And I like how you start this is, transitioning into darkness people would not understand that but you says does yoga facilitate a deceptive spiritual environment so you're saying the whole idea of yoga is is deceptive well if we believe the bible it is because you know christian yoga is to me the most deceptive because there is no such thing really as christian yoga it's not taught in the bible it's not taught in the old testament in fact um the there, there's a scripture that talks about God's people were importing things from the East. And I mean, I mean, what could be more clear than importing doctrines from the East and trying to syncretize them with your faith in God? Uh, that's impossible. There, Paul talked about another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. 
And there's another Jesus. If the Jesus that the yoga people talk about is the Jesus of the Bible, then he, he can't be the because the Jesus of the Bible never did yoga, even though some that are in Christian yoga believe that Jesus in the silent years actually went to India to learn yoga, to come back and secretly teach it to his disciples. Now, you do point out something here that I think is very interesting, and and that's at the end of the chapter 13 we were just talking about. And you mentioned this girl that you had talked about, uh, you know, they got out of this and stuff. And you you said, the question is this, if God would speak to Judy, why wouldn't he speak to other Christians who become involved in yoga? And you said, my answer is, I believe God's spoken to them. I believe the Holy Spirit always is faithful to warn us of dangers. The problem is not that God doesn't warn, but that people don't respond to his warnings. And then the last two uh, on the other page, Jared, 145, you said, do you believe Christians are free to connect with God in whatever way they choose? Because I know, Dave, that you probably had arguments with people that just flat out said that's not true. You can have yoga and there's nothing to, nothing wrong with it. Right. Yeah, I have heard that, but there is an answer to that question on page <laughs> 146, and the answer is no. We're yeah. not free to connect with God with however we choose. We're, we're free to connect with God through Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And we're not free to connect with God our own way. In the, in the next chapter, uh, 14, talks about the difference uh, in authentic liberty and freedom found in a person, not in a system like yoga. And Hinduism gives us the freedom to, this is what the Hindus say, Hinduism gives us the freedom to approach God in our own way without demanding conformity to any doctrine or dogma. But that's not true with with us. We're supposed to flee the worship of idols. We're supposed to stay away from things that bring darkness. And, And by the way, Mark, you you know as well as I do that the devil is a liar. He comes as an angel of light, masquerading himself as an angel of light, Paul tells us. And people really think that yoga can bring them enlightenment. Instead, it brings them deception. No doubt about that. Well... Folks, stay with us, and we're going to have more of the yoga craze in the last days right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the Programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. You're listening to Crosspoint, talking with Dave Williams today about yoga craze in the last days. Are you trading your true destiny for a spiritual counterfeit? Now, Dave, if people would want to know more about this book, and you've done a lot of books as well, so you have quite an extensive ministry, how would people go about uh, finding out more about this book and your ministry in general? Okay, um, my web address is DaveWilliams.com. And if if they're a Prime member, they can order the book on Amazon, and I believe it's on uh, a Kindle also. I believe it's a download. Yeah. 
you do quite an extensive bunch of ministry. I know you do a lot of stuff on leadership, don't you? Yes. Yeah, pretty pretty extensive there that uh, you and your wife actually do together uh, in some of those areas. So, uh, yeah, how many years have you been at this? Uh, been at this 47 years. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen a lot of things come and go, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you have, too. Yeah, Dave, just because I, I like to pick people's minds sometimes with being in the ministry and what you said here. Uh, you know, about you believe a last day's deception. From what you've seen from the 47 years of ministry you've been in and what you're seeing today, would you consider that we definitely now are really in the end of time as we know it, the last days, the very last of the last days? Mark, every condition, marker, and sign concerning the last of the last days before the trumpet sounds, all all those conditions, signs, and markers are all in active play right now. It tells me that as we look at what's happening in this world, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the World Bank now issuing a central bank uh, digital currency, everything is heading toward Revelation 13. You can see where where the beast system is in place. And I really believe with all my heart that we are on the fast track to Revelation 13 right now. But praise God, if we're followers of Jesus, there is an escape. And people say that, oh, well, you're just an you're just an escapist. You want to escape trouble? Well. I, I know we can't escape trouble in this world, but we can escape God's wrath. And uh, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said there is an escape, and that's the exact word he used in Luke 21 when he said, Watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. He, he just told all about the horrible tribulation coming, the agony, and the supreme time of God's wrath on earth. And he said, watch and pray that you may escape all these things. And so in Revelation 3.10, we're given a promise that certain ones are going to be able to escape when the trumpet of God sounds, the dead in Christ will rise, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up, harpazo in the Greek. It's like an electromagnet that just suddenly pulls up all this steel or iron or whatever, whatever magnet's pull up. And away we go. We're going to be with Jesus for the judgment seat of Christ, where we receive our rewards in the marriage supper of the Lamb, while the earth is going into its deepest hour of of, of horror in under the the Antichrist. And Hinduism is, is kind of interesting because everything is, nothing is really bad. Everything is kind of good or good. And, and so... Some Christians are picking up this philosophy that nothing is really evil. We're getting close, we Mark. Are, We're we really are. getting close. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you kind of talk about this in the book, 
on you know page 160 you're talking about the things that it turns out yoga is not such a great exercise after all is what it's titled there uh, in that little portion of that but you talk about you know does it reduce injuries and all that no it says and the yoga marketers promise that all these returns that you know you're going to lose weight and you and then you say it go there's uh, studies that shows that uh, it, there's no improvement in cardiac, uh, you know, in, in our heart health, and there's uh, no uh, really uh, much of losing weight like they promise. It's kind of like what the world promises now. You know, you do this, you get this, and you're going to be better. Let us help you with this, and you're going to be better. Kind of sounds along the same lines, you know, of all sure. these promises made, but nothing can be kept, uh, not true promises. Uh, but that's what you, I guess yoga is kind of that way, isn't it? It's a, it's a fake, false, but it looks good. It looks good. I I asked one to if I could interview her. Uh, she went into yoga and she was such a great minister too. And I said, could, could I interview you on yoga sometime? I'm writing an article for Charisma at that time, and uh, she. She responded, no, um, I won't let you interview me, but I will let you come to one free session of yoga so you can see it for yourself. And I said, no, I I don't do yoga. And she said, well, if you live in a body, you do yoga. <laughs> I mean, how people change. Yeah. And that's what Judy, you know, you you talked about Judy, who God spoke to and said, quit teaching this she said that the reason she she started noticing the people she was teaching their whole culture was changing the way they talk was changing everything was changing about them and they started bowing down to her and she just thought that was weird and she was just a baby christian at the time and god spoke to her and said get out of this and she said in my book there are a thousand other better exercises yeah. You know, you talk to in the book about how Hinduism embraces many religious ideas and, uh, you know, synchronizing kind of various beliefs. Uh, but you made a statement here, you know, how can professing Christians get involved in a Hindu practice like yoga? And then you mentioned the article of spiritual counterfeits that the late uh, evangelist David Wilkerson gave. It says a great majority of church-going believers have never <laughs> been saved. It's true, people by nature love darkness more than light. So that's kind of the answer to some of the why they get involved in it. You're right, and even in uh, John, John's Gospel, the Gospel according to St. John, starts out that way. They love darkness more than light. Yeah. The light came into the world. You know, the the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and people love darkness more than light. Yeah. Page 208 of the book, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. You, you talk about there, you know, the illusion of truth. It's chapter 20. And there you're talking about what qualifies a Christian yoga teacher. And you said qualifications are required for a Christian yoga teacher. And how much of the 200 plus hours required for Christian yoga teaching is about the doctrines of the Christian faith? Why should any sane person put the safekeeping of their soul in the hands of a teacher who professes Christianity yet distorts God's word? But people... (laughs) 
they just don't get it sometimes. They, we're living in a world that's so confused right now, and it's just growing more day by day that, you know, it, the Bible does says if he didn't shorten the days, even the elect, you know, would be deceived. That's right. And Isaiah, the prophet, said there would come the day when they would call good evil and evil good, and we're in that day right now. Yeah. When you look, it's not just yoga. Yoga is just one of many, many perversions, in my opinion, that are out there. And we probably can't talk about everything on your program today, but you mentioned confusion. There is confusion and chaos everywhere you look. In the school systems, more and more Christian parents are sending their kids to Christian academies and Christian schools because of what's going on in in the public schools. In fact, my my grandson, they were having yoga in his school. He he's a seventh grader and he said he wouldn't participate in it. And the teacher said, Well you have to, it's mandatory. And he said, uh, I I'm not gonna because uh, my grandpa says this is bad. And she said, Well you're going to the principal's office and she marched him up to principal's office for discipline, and then my daughter took the teacher one of my books and said, here's the reason why he didn't want to be, and the teacher was stunned. She she didn't know that. She didn't know that it was a cult, that it was sorcery, that it was a form of religion. Uh, she just thought it was an exercise, and and she stopped doing it. Yep. So there's a good testimony. Some I think a lot of people, they just are unaware. That's true. That's that's very true. And speaking of a good testimony, you talk about here in your book, you say, you know, yoga is a demonic teaching with this, this sweep in the country. Yoga is a form of sorcery and divination, plain and simple. And then you uh, mention here on page 231, you're talking about this Kondalini awakening, and you mention a deliverance ministry of Dean Hotstedler, and he was a, a spirit-filled Mennonite minister. And he said he recorded his cases in dealing with the demonic from 1974 to 2005. And you mentioned in there in his ministry the cases and discoveries, and part of that was, which was part of the yoga and the consequences of yoga. Can you give us a little bit in there to what he discovered in his uh, learning from that? I was really blessed to find that. It, uh, it was a book written by another another guy uh, and i think i I've, I've got that in the book i've got that in the citations but anyway he he discovered people that were involved it wasn't uh yoga was not uh his main focus but it was sorcery and uh, occultism and he found that that the families began having problems with these that were participating in sorcerer sorcery practices of some witchcraft sorcery and he he said why is it that there are you know we have disciplinary committees for those who've committed adultery etc but why isn't there anything about uh, idolatry and sorcery but he he found that uh, some of the children were having sicknesses in the whole, and quite serious sicknesses, family members were affected, and this goes back even to the Old Testament. I mean, if, 
thank God we've got Jesus, that we've got the blood of Jesus that uh, covers us. But going back then, things could pass to the third and fourth generation. The sins of the fathers could pass to the third and fourth generation. It could even go farther than that. There's this study in epigenetics, I guess it's called, where where things can be passed down 14 generations, because if it's passed down to three or four generations, something bad, uh, and somebody doesn't stand up in the name of Jesus and say, look, we're, the bloodline of Christ is here no more from me, my children, grandchildren, it's not coming any farther. And that that can stop it, you know, through Christ. But uh, families are setting themselves up for heartache when they participate in something that is obviously leading people away from the true and living God and leading people to uh, a false God, or even, in some cases, self-worship. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. In our next segment, we're going to chop over to another book, but I want to I want to just close out this part with something you said here at the end of this book uh, that you've written, and it says, if some of the Christian yoga teachers got together, repented of their scripture twisting, set up a few prayer meetings to seek the Lord, and determined to follow only Jesus Christ without the Hindu add-on of yoga. I wouldn't be surprised if they could came up with a new exercise that spread throughout the world like a wildfire. That is a good comment, Dave, because it's true. If you take something and get rid of that stuff that's attached to the world and put something that's attached to heaven, it's going to succeed the right way. Amen, Mark. Amen. Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things, says the Lord, Jeremiah 33, 3. And... I really believe that God would show them. Yeah, I agree too. Well, folks, stay with us. We're going to have more right after this. Sharing your faith can be as easy as sharing your favorite radio station. There's no greater way to share the gospel, to reach as many people as possible than through Christian radio. Tell your friends where they can experience hope. It's always pointed to Christ. 91.7 The Word. Thanks for tuning in today here to Cross Point. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. Dave Williams with me today. We've been talking about a book entitled Yoga Craze in the Last Days. And now we're getting ready to talk about a book, The Secret of Heaven's Power, and that's The Laying on of Hands. And uh, But Dave, this book here I just mentioned, the one we've been talking about on the yoga, it all comes through your ministry and a lot of other stuff as well. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. They can get in touch with me at DaveWilliams.com. Of course, if they want the books, Amazon.com has the books. Just type in Yoga Craze, and it'll come up. Yeah. Now, this ministry here of laying on, you know, of hands, uh, and you call it the secret power of heaven's power. I'm a firm believer in that. I believe it's part of our the spiritual gifts. And you say it's a key to healing and 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 having authority and importation, all that Tell us about this, what is considered a secret power of laying on of hands. Sure. It's ignored by a lot of churches, and then there are other churches that carry it to a dramatic extreme to where it, it just doesn't even, doesn't even do anything for people except irritate them. Uh, but Hebrews 6 gives us the doctrine of Christ, and right in the middle uh, of the doctrines, the fundamental doctrines of the church, which are the doctrines of Christ, it has the laying on of hands. So 
it must have been pretty important. It's right in there with repentance and resurrection and all that, the laying on of hands. And so why don't we see that practiced properly more often in churches? What is laying out of hands? Well, I go, I read the Bible at least once a year, and I put a little pair of hands, uh, just a little drawing of hands, every time the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, talks about laying out of hands. Laying out of hands is a transmission or a conveyance. It's when we want to impart something of great value into somebody else. For example, the patriarchs, they laid their hands on their children or their grandchildren, and they would want to impart something to these their, their offspring sure. and their yes. grandchildren. And the priests, when they would lay their hands on a bull before the bull was slain, it was showing that the sins of the people were transferred to the priest, and the priest is now transferring them to the to the bull, and the bull is being slain, and even though that bull could not take away people's sins, it relieved their guilt a little bit. So the laying out of hands is when you transmit or impart something by laying hands on, on somebody. Yeah. Jesus did it, and uh, the disciples did it, we find in the Gospels, and we find it throughout the entire Bible. Well, this book that you have out, it's not a very big book. It's a little book. Uh, Small book. Yes, but it's an easy book to read. Chapter 1 says, uh, in this little book, you're going to examine a biblical subject, which in some cases has been ignored, and in other cases has been carried to the drastic. You mentioned that. You say countless numbers of individuals and churches regard this doctrine as inconsequential. Take it or leave it. I know they do that. And Yet this practice, I, I was in Israel, I've been in Israel, come Friday, come Shabbat, uh, the time of that, I mean, if you're having dinner with a family, uh, those mothers are going around, they're praying, laying hands on their children, uh, others, the dad is doing that. I mean, this is stuff still practiced today in, in Israel, and for those that say, well, you know, that passed away, well, if the Jews are still doing it today, why aren't we? Good point. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? What do you tell churches when they, and Christians when they want to argue? Well, it's not. It's inconsequential to lay hands on somebody. Well, I, I don't like to argue with anybody. <laughs> that's, that's not my mode of operation. But I, I would like to express the truth to people and show them from God's word what He said about it. And and you know, if people could be motivated a little bit, inspired a little bit. To understand that the laying out of hands can impart blessings, which are benefits or special advantages, then maybe they'd be more open to doing it uh, in a biblical way. I remember I used to have trouble uh, remembering where I parked my car. I, I couldn't remember what I did with my keys. I didn't have one spot for them all the time. And, and it was just annoying. And I went to this church. And the pastor prayed for me after church. He put his hands on me and started praying. And, and Mark, it felt like something went into me. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and after that, I could remember where scriptures were. Yeah. I, I, for some, I was riding a Greyhound bus, 
and some lady asked me a question, and I got out my Bible, and I went right to the right verse that answered her question. The next thing you know, somebody else came over and asked me questions. I knew right where to look in my Bible. And the next thing you know, there was a whole crowd around me on that bus. And I'm giving them all these scriptures, and finally the bus driver made everybody go sit down. And so I put my name and address on a piece of paper and handed it to everybody and said, just come over if you still have questions. (laughs) Weirdest thing. It is. I got home, I forgot about that, and all of a sudden there's knocks on my door. Yeah. People are coming over, and Mark, it was it was like revival. Uh, 24 people came to Jesus, and people were being spirit-filled, and I was laying my hands on them, and just, I had a Bible study started then. Yeah, all just starting that. In uh, amongst the people that really, that's not a church setting. But look what happened. It became a, it became a church setting by the time it was finished. <laughs> right, and it yeah. it wasn't until I had hands laid on me, yeah, that 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 benefit was given to me. I've experienced this myself in a couple of areas here that I had open heart surgery back in April. I'm in my doctor's office, who's not of the faith of mind at all. I mean. Some people would call it, uh, you know, a faith that's no faith. The doctor said, I would like to do something before I send you on to this heart deal, you know, into this, you know, you're going to have this surgery. And he said, I'd like to do something that we do in my church. Well, I was kind of interested. Hey, I'm always trying to figure a way that maybe this is an open door to talk about, you know, where you're at with your life and where I am. And, you know, maybe, you know, I was concerned about his background. He said, at our church, we lay hands on people and pray for them. I said, I completely believe that. And he said, also, we anoint them with oil. And I said, I believe that as well. Wow. And so uh, he said, uh, would you mind if I'd done that? I said, not at all. And he, and but I wanted to hear how he prayed, you know. And so I'm listening. He anoints me with oil, lays his hands on me, and prays in the name of Jesus Christ. Does everything just the same way I would pray and do the thing. And I'm shocked, you know. I thought, man, this is better than starting an argument. This is just a way to get closer so we can eventually have a discussion maybe on, on where he's at. But then also, a couple of years ago at the end of COVID and all that, me and some other pastors got invited to go meet with our governor here in the state of Missouri and his wife and have lunch with them in the in their um, you know the capital there in the, um, the house they have there at the capital. So we had lunch and we sat around. He asked a lot of questions how the COVID had affected the church, how it hurt it, if there was people coming back, if business people in the church were still suffering and different things. Well, at the end. He let the pastors, you know, come up, and the late man that was running the event said, uh, okay, we're going to pray if that's okay for our governor and his wife, but I'm just going to have one of you pray, and then the rest of you just agree uh, with that pastor in prayer. And they pointed to me and said, you be the one to pray over the governor. So I walked wow. up I walked up to the governor and his wife, and I said, would you mind if I laid hands on you? And they said, no, that's fine if you would like to do that. So I laid my hands on the governor and his wife, and I prayed, you know, for wisdom and for guidance and all those areas there. But, you know, even people sometimes that maybe don't practice the laying on of hands, I've noticed will accept the laying on of hands when they really need help and need that type of leadership. It'll be accepted. That's amazing, Mark. What a blessing for you. Yeah. Now, uh, are you okay yeah. after your surgery? Oh, yeah. Everything's okay? Yeah, it's getting better. 
I'm so sorry that happened. Part of life sometimes. We don't understand why we have to go through that. I'm a firm person that believes in healing, and I was working it all the way right into the operating room. I had a scripture in my hand, and I was squeezing that, and as I went in the operating room and they took me in, I finally opened my hand and handed it to my wife to take. But, oh. but you know, I, I was trusting the Lord right up to the minute. If he wanted to go another direction, I was sure game for it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me, too. I, I'm that way, too. Sometimes I feel like a faith failure when, <laughs> when it doesn't work out like that because I've had the same experience. Yeah, and mentioning that, Dave, isn't the laying on of hands, like you're talking about in this book, uh, The Secret of heaven's power isn't that part of it faith isn't that crucial to the part of laying on of hands i believe it is i faith is fundamental in everything every progressive move we make we have to make it in faith because uh, faith is a substance of the things we hope for and the evidence that we can use even when we don't see it evidence of things not seen not seen in the natural but i believe that in we coexist with this invisible world of god's kingdom and then the other kingdom too and in that kingdom that god is lord over there's everything we could ever need everything we could ever imagine but getting it over to this visible natural world is another thing and we're told about that in hebrews 11:3 it said the uh, it talks about i don't remember exactly how to quote it now but it talks about faith the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and that must be in the natural because he talks about the the elders receiving good report but then that verse 3 is it talks about almost bringing into the visible the things which are not seen. Uh, Verse 3 really, really is fascinating and drew me in to realize that, that there are things that we can take by faith that are not seen yet, but that's about using faith as our evidence. And I'm not always sure how to do that exactly, but Sometimes I'm successful at it, and sometimes I'm not. Yeah. Well, in this book, there's a lot of rich stuff in there. And I think you make a good note on page 37 there of the book. You said, I'm not afraid to practice something else just because there has been abuses and, you know, excesses of that. And that happens a lot in ministry sometimes. But we must be careful that we don't stretch to the opposite extreme of extreme. And so the laying on the hands is, you know, effective scriptural means of revealing or confirming some spiritual gift or giving some sort of needed revelation. There's a lot of areas, and the book covers it. We don't have all the time to cover all of that because no matter if it is a little book, there's a lot of information in there of the different advantages of the laying on of hands and people speaking uh, for God, you know, uh, prophetically, and again, not doing it abusively, but doing this the way that the Bible teaches. And uh, there can be a lot of uh, a lot of great benefits from uh, learning this uh, ability and receiving it basically from from God, you know, that the ministry is for everybody. It's for every Christian, isn't it? Well, 
as it relates to the Great Commission, it's for every Christian. Yes. Uh, he said, they, when he was given the Great Commission, he said, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. So that authorizes every believer to, to lay on hands. But normally, uh, you don't want too many people laying hands on a person as you're getting ready to minister the laying on of hands to them, because if if there's uh let's say six six or seven people laying hands on a person there's no point of contact for when that person can release their faith um that's why like if you're if you're praying for uh something to be imparted to a person i like just one person usually a person in authority that has experienced something that that person needs they have what they can impart to them you see what i'm saying Yes. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, Dave. That really is a good point, because I've been some places where they say, well, let's all gather around Sister So-and-so and lay hands on them, and I'm thinking, well, not everybody <laughs> yeah. can gather around them. That's only one person, you know. But <laughs> I know it. And, and then some people, you know, when they have said, well, do you mind if I pray for you? I want to know a little bit about that person's life that's laying their hands on right. me, you know, and praying for Very me. Very good, yes. Good point, Mark. Good, good point. Well, folks, if you want to know more about this, the secret of heaven's power, it's called Laying on of Hands. This little book, it's also uh, through uh, Dave Williams Ministries there. And Dave, tell people again how they can contact your ministry before we have to go today okay. on today's program. My web address is DaveWilliams.com. And books are available on Amazon. That's the easiest way. That's the way I usually get my books. And you can look up either one. Amazon carries both of them, and I think they're they're both in print, and I think they're both on Kindle as well. Yeah, and now also you have some what's called. Do you still do those Saturday seminars and stuff where people can come to or tune into? Oh yeah, we we just every month on a Saturday we have a Saturday seminar. Last month we had uh, dismantling strongholds it was greatly successful. Well, I'll tell you. I sure do appreciate your ministry. I've kind of followed along with it uh, throughout the years. And uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be with us on Crosspoint today. Thank you for having me again, Mark. It's always a joy for me. Hey, that was a good interview today with Dave Williams and Dave and all that he does, all the books that he's put together through his ministry all come from this one main book. I hold in my other hand right now, the Holy Bible, God's Word. Folks, you need to know God's Word, all this other stuff we talk about, the laying on of hands and the yoga craze and anything else we talked about today. It makes more sense. It'll make total sense if you'll learn the words of the Bible and just have them right there. Everything that you write, anything you read should be backed up with God's Word, the Holy Word. Why? Because it's the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. 
Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.